Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of Radio Free Professional Wrestling in 2022. It's Stunning Sean, and David the Smart Mart is away dealing with a little under-the-weather issue, but he will be back in a couple of weeks. But I'm fortunate to reach out to a fellow podcaster. He is the podcaster from Royal Rebel. He is also a member of the Sunday Night Main Event Facebook group. He is none other than Blaine. Blaine, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Sean. How are you today? I'm doing great on this New Year's Day. And Blaine, I listened to your first episode of your podcast. You were talking about how you got into wrestling. And it was about mm. your grandfather. And that's what got me interested in getting you onto the show because I have the same story. My grandfather was the reason I got into wrestling. Me and my grandfather and his brother would all get together when I was a kid. Every Saturday night, watch WCW Saturday night at 6.05. And like my stepdad would tell you, the more entertaining thing was watching us looking at wrestling and seeing how we react to it. Absolutely. It, it's like uh, it's like one of those family heirlooms that just gets passed down from generation to generation. Exactly, Blaine. And the last one of the last things me and my grandfather actually watched before he passed away was Monday Night Raw. So in a way, me just continuing being a wrestling fan is a way to remember my grandfather. And I feel like it's mm. the same way with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually, um, it, when you, you said you listened to the first episode, my grandfather actually passed a year, about a year after I was born. Uh, so I don't quite remember much of him. Uh, my parents used to tell me that he was a huge wrestling fan. Uh, him and my grandmother used to babysit me and, and basically he would be watching wrestling with me uh, in either my playpen or, or bouncing me on his knee as he watched. Um, then I believe it was WWF at the time. This would have been about 84, 85. And then uh, so he was he passed long before Raw even became a thing. Wow. So what do you normally watch in a week in wrestling? Uh, so I try to watch a bit of everything just to uh, be familiar with like everything that's out there. Um, I uh, usually, some of the main stuff, uh, WWE, of course, AEW, WWE, and I say WWE, but I, I try to watch most of their platforms, like WWE, Raw, SmackDown, and then NXT and NXT UK, uh, which I agree with uh, the young guns from the SNME group. It is the best WWE show on television. And other than that, uh, I try to keep up with New Japan. Not as familiar, but I watch some of the main shows. I'll be watching Wrestle Kingdom coming up. I try to watch Dominion uh, as well as the G1. And then uh, Ring of Honor, I did watch until its dying day, and hopefully hopefully it is revived for next year. Yes, Ring of Honor coming back in 2022. We got our fingers crossed. We'll have to see how that goes. Because if you listen to our show, you, you probably know that me and David are big fans of Ring of Honor Professional Wrestling. Let's go ahead. We're going to slide into our very first Stunning 6 Questions in the year 2022. It's time for the Stunning 6 Questions. All of the whys and what have they done now? Hopefully, Sean and David can make sense of it. Okay, Blaine. So my first question this week is going to be, what are your thoughts about the WWE questionably deciding to not test for COVID in the same week we found out that Seth Rollins actually has COVID? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And I was actually going to bring up the Rollins situation. I think regardless of your stance on this issue, it, it is going to be divided either way, uh, not just within the company, but also among fans or, or people in general. It is a very sensitive issue, I think, for most. I disagree with it personally, uh, because as you said, Seth now has COVID. He's one of their top stars. And I'm assuming this means that Becky will be uh, away from television as well. Uh, I'm not sure what this means yet for day one 
as far as I know, the matches that they, these two are both in are still on. Uh, so that is kind of questionable uh, because I, I assumed it was a 14 day period that they they had to they needed to uh, quarantine. But obviously, if they just got if they just contracted COVID last week, uh, that is very questionable. Uh, obviously, they can't make that. It's not going to be 14 days. Uh, so don't know what this means for the pay-per-view tonight. What I will say is it is kind of surprising as well, because Roman Reigns is is one of their biggest stars and probably the biggest star in the whole industry. So and we, we all are aware of his health, his own personal uh, health history with uh, health problems. You would think that they would would go out of their way to try to protect their top investment. Blaine, you got to a point I was thinking about exactly because Roman Reigns is their biggest star they have in-house. And you would think they would make sure that they would keep his well-being one of their top priorities. Not saying they're mm-hmm. not doing that, but it's this funny how they go about this situation and going like, okay, we can not test now. And mm-hmm. we've just seen the height of the uh, Omicron variant of COVID just pop up during the Christmas season. If you're here mm. looking at the U.S. numbers and stuff, each day it seems like we're breaking a new number. That Yeah, that's exactly it. The, the numbers continue to rise. And, you, you know, for a company that prides themselves on the wellness of their talent and certainly of the fans, you would think that they would have a better policy in place. I feel like they're trying to go with the fact that they're independent contractors, so they don't have to really worry about their health issues or something but it's kind of weird and right. pr wise you would think like yeah we're gonna go out of our way to take care of these people mm-hmm. yeah i know it, it, it doesn't really add up in that sense um regardless of whether they're private personal uh, or privately contracted or not they are still liable i think for the betterment of their talent exactly i wish Rollins a speedy recovery and I'll be keep watching this situation as it goes through 2022 and Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the day that we can put COVID in the rear rear mirror and we can move on with stuff yeah I'm hoping for the same okay no easy transition but we'll slide over to sunny question number two we're going back to Chris's night it's Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title Blaine why in the world did Cody need to win this title yeah you know I I knew you were gonna ask that and I don't think there's any right or wrong answer here I think I like I actually did see the match I, I had heard about the title change it was uh I mean it puzzled me at first but it's not when I took time to reflect on it it's not all that surprising I think they are slowly trying to transition Cody into a full-blown heel and I think uh, it makes sense for the story for the storyline. Sammy Guevara, I think, is going to remain in the same position regardless of whether he has the belt or not. Uh, he's he's still going to be over. And I think this is just to um, not specifically to make the title mean anything, but more so to advance the storyline of Cody going heel. Okay, so I watched AEW's uh, New Year's Slam yesterday evening. And we saw Sammy Guevara do his postcards and inside the picture picture. And I love this because it's a neat way to use mm-hmm. the picture picture. And his message was he has a resolution for 2022. He's going to beat the American Nightmare. He's going to regain his title. So it looks like he's going to be the babyface chasing the hill Cody Rhodes, which mm-hmm. could be a very interesting title feud because I think yeah, both of them are and, excellent wrestlers. Right. And and I'm not sure how uh, Lambert's group fits into this because it looks like men of the year are now uh, eyeing the uh, TNT title as well. Uh, Ethan Page 
actually um, has a uh, an upcoming title the title match with Cody. Uh, so I'm not sure how they fit into this. Uh, um, I think they're just trying to play both sides, maybe pit one against the other, uh, divide and conquer kind of strategy. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks like um, I would think if Sammy is going to be matched against Cody, Cody is definitely going to be the heel, or he's going to have to be. I really think Cody can play the kind of like John Cena heel thing where he doesn't have to be totally a heel. Is mm-hmm. this how the fans react to him and what city he's at? Because you can right. see him come out lately where he's majority getting boo and at the beginning of AEW he was white hot baby face yeah I, and I'm not sure exactly when that change happened um to be honest I, I like I've never personally had an issue with Cody I, I always thought he was a great talent him versus Dustin is still hands down my favorite AEW match of all time. That is un- until the uh, Brian Danielson and Hangman Page match from a couple weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, so I don't I don't know when that uh, or what um, prompted the fans to turn on him. I think maybe it has something to do with him being an executive now. That I'm not sure. But uh, if that were the case, then then why no? Why no heat on the Young Bucks? Why not no heat on Kenny Omega? You know, it, it just doesn't, uh, it's kind of, you can't have it one way or another. That's a good point, Blaine, because the other ones are executive VPs as well, and each one of them also have held a title. Now, the one thing about AEW is, it seems like they care about their title language, and they try to make t- long title reigns. Except for the TNT title, it seems like to be the one they want to hop a table around everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that does that does make sense. Um, Sammy, I can't. He's had it for what a couple months. A three month title reign there, and this is Cody Rhodes' third run with the belt. Right. Yeah, and and I get that. It's um, I, I guess they're trying to distinguish between the titles because uh, if they obviously the heavyweight title means should mean more in any company they want to have they want people to have lengthy runs with it as well as the women's belt but the tnt title is more of a mid-card title i think they're trying to just establish its identity for now and i mean it it, it's technically it should be the brody title and i think cody and, and this is actually a good point as well i think cody winning the title has something to do with their their transition from TNT to TBS. I think maybe it will, I mean, they're already introducing the TBS title to the women. I think there will be a men's version of that as well. And, And this is just part of the transition. Well, I think you got a point there, Blaine, because they are sliding over to TBS with their next show in January. And I feel like maybe the executives and Turner wanted Cody to have the title as they're coming onto TBS because they have also that tie-in with the show, the big show, where they have all those contests and Cody's one of the judges. So I can see maybe Turner going like, hey, can we have Cody be the champion as you guys come onto TBS? So I can see that point. Exactly. Now, my thing, I was wishing this TNT title would be like an elevator title where you take your hot mid-card act, you have a good run with him with the TNT title, and you elevate him up to that main event status. Because I do see down the road that Sammy Guevara could be one of your heel or face main eventers in this company. Yeah, I, I, and I, I get that point as well. I think the company itself is just tr- still trying to establish its identity. Uh, so I, I wouldn't think too much into this for now because they, I mean, they've only been around for two years and typically that is the case where, where the mid card title is used to elevate talent to the world title. But at this point, I feel like guys like Sammy Guevara, the guys like Cody, they are bigger than the title at this point and they need to really establish the title itself 
And I think the only way to do that is with a long run, like you previously had pointed out. Okay, Blank, we're going to leave that there. We're going over to study question number three. It's also from AEW New Year's Bash. We got to see a Dan Levert promo get interrupted by one Brandy Rhodes. Now, a lot of people on Sunday night main event would say Brandy ruins everything. <laughs> do you agree with this? Did you see this promo? And what do you think about the promo? Yeah, so I, I had heard about that. I, Brandy ruins everything. has been a running joke. Um, that might have been the case maybe like two years ago uh, or maybe even a year ago. Uh, it would have been a concept for a t-shirt for sure. But I think in this modern uh, era, or, or at least uh, 2021, I think Brandy ruining everything isn't entirely accurate because some of the stuff that she gets involved with is already far ruined before she even gets involved. Like that Lambert promo, I don't know what that was. I was a fan when Lambert was first introduced and started doing those kind of promos. But ever since then, it seems like just a lather, rinse, repeat kind of scenario where where he comes out, says basically the entire, the, the exact same thing that he's always been saying, uh, runs down the whole company. Um, and he's basically, he's a caricature of, Cor of Cornette. That's exactly what his character is. And after, I, I thought he would have disappeared after the, the match with Jericho's guys at the last pay-per-view. I agree with you, Blaine. I feel like Lambert's time in AEW has kind of jumped the shark tank. And I'm just ready for him to disappear into Efer to maybe come back at some other point with a new person that you even need a mouthpiece for. Because he's excellent on the mic, yes. Mm -hmm. But it seems like he's a one-hit warner, kind of like Brandy in a way, because she literally came out with the same opening line that she used in that really awesome right. promo she had with, with um, Jade. And I was going like, Brandy, the first time it was organic. It felt organic. This time it feels like, oh, I have this really cool line I can say, and this is going to be my first line of my promo. And yeah, yeah she got yeah. some good shots in on Lambert. I did enjoy the promo, and I don't think she ruins everything. But it just felt like you listen to one of your favorite bands, and it's like a one-hit wonder band, and you keep playing the same song over and over. Yeah, but like I said, so Brandy's segment, like every segment that she's involved with is typically usually pretty bad. But I think it's it's that way before she even gets involved. So I, I it's hard to say even if she ruins everything, because it's hard to ruin something that's already been ruined. Exactly. I see your point, Blaine. She's kind of like the instant bystander who this actually drops into these segments where, oh, hey, she's there too. So she kind of gets lumped into the whole, like, this is awful thing. Okay, let's move over to sending question number four. This past week, Tony Storm was reportedly asked for her release or she actually got up and quit WWE and flew back to Australia. So what do you see the future for Tony Storm? Yeah, so uh, Dave Melter had confirmed that she actually quit. Uh, she wasn't released. Uh, she might have requested her release. I don't know what her contract status was, but it was entirely her option. That's a good one. I, and part of the reason that I, I, the best thing I think about modern day pro wrestling is that there are so many other options out there for her, that this is something that she needed to do for her. I don't know if she wants to, I mean, I heard that she, she is engaged or maybe married now to Juice Robinson uh, from Impact in New Japan. I heard Juice is now a free agent as well. Uh, so the two of them might go to AW together, or she might be joining him in Impact. Who knows? I, I can. I've heard people say that Stardom might be an option for her, but AW it looks like they're trying to build their women's division and are doing a pretty decent job of it at the tail end of 2021. They now have Thunder Rosa, they have Serena Deeb, and uh, Mercedes Martinez just debuted. 
Uh, so I think that might be a good fit for her as well. Well, Blaine, I don't know if you've seen uh, Rick Baker's Twitter, but she posted a picture of Tony Storm on her Twitter. So she was taking mm-hmm. advantage of the, of the hot knees right now. And yeah, I would love to see Tony Storm versus Rick Baker. I actually retweeted that and said, this would be a match we would want to watch. She saw her position in WWE being like, here's the glass ceiling. I'm never going to get above the glass ceiling. I'm still pretty young for a female mm-hmm. professional wrestler. I want to do some stuff and I want to be hired what I'm going to be in the WWE. So let me go ahead and go find me another place where I can work. Yeah. So, so I think of it like this. I think everybody in the company and everybody in any company probably grew up watching WWE. So that while that might be a career goal for most of these talents, Tony Storm included, it is not the end goal anymore. WWE is no longer the be-all, end-all. So I think that chapter of her life has now ended. And as you said, she knew what direction she was heading in i wasn't a fan of all the pie throwing that they recently did with her on smackdown with charlotte and i mean i am a huge i'm still a huge fan of charlotte but i think you're totally right this company intends to push becky and charlotte period every other woman is pretty much a placeholder which is why i don't have any confidence that wwe has confidence in pushing Liv morgan past that point as well and 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 this is why it's become so hard to get invested in a wwe storyline because you know the end result exactly they have like the top four performers two for each company mm-hmm. one male one female this is our golden ticket this is who we're going to push to the masses and the masses kind of like these people so we're cool with that and everybody right. else is like the like the batman villain of the week or the month we mm. heat them up this a little bit where you think they might be able to do something but yet the chosen ones overcome the odds they win the titles and they continue on down the road to the next villain of the month Absolutely. And and so I just wanted to touch on your point that you brought up the, the tweet from Britt Baker there. Uh, so I'm not sure if this is a sure thing or if Britt is just trolling people on Twitter. It seems to be the case in most most of these kind of circumstances. But who knows? Tr- Tony Storm could at least do a one-off with AEW at the very least. Uh, I would love to see the match as well. My only issue with it is that Britt Baker has tremendously improved in 2021. She's probably the most popular female superstar other than WWE. She's the most popular female superstar in the world right now. And I think Tony Storm coming in, I'm not sure if she would get the reaction that she's supposed to get. Exactly, because with that AEW fan base, it's like Britt Baker is like their queen and they're not going to accept anybody else defeating their queen because anybody facing Britt Baker is going to have to overcome the fact that they're going to get booed. They're going to get booed out of the building when Britt Baker loses that title. Right. Unless it's like Thunder Rosa. I think Thunder Rosa could be the one person that could the fans would get behind and go like, okay, she's been here. It's Thunder Rosa. We like her. We're going to cheer. Besides that, 100%. nobody else. 100%. I think Ruby Soho is kind of getting to that level as well. Uh, but the only issue I had with Ruby Soho is that she came into the company and was immediately pushed into the title picture. And then she lost. And now it's like... If she doesn't win the TBS title, what's next for her? Exactly. She could basically slide down to where she was was at in WWE to be like this upper mid-card, mid-card female talent that's really good in the ring. But we've seen her already lose a couple of times and she's not as special anymore. Right. Okay, speaking of AEW, we'll go over to setting question number five because we saw, quote unquote, the undisputed error on AEW TV as they're facing the best friend group. And if you saw the end of the match, you saw Kyle... Accidentally kick Adam in the face. He falls off the apron. And here comes the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks come in. They save the day. They get the win for the Hill team. 
And at the end of the show, Adam was with the Young Bucks looking back at Red Dragon going like, Kyle, you kicked me in the face. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So what is the end game for this? Yeah, so I mean, I like the fact that none of us are 100% sure where it's going. I think we all have an idea, but that's the great thing about AEW. They always keep you guessing. And I like the fact that they, unlike WWE and some of the other companies, don't insult their fans' intelligence. They know that that fan that they know their fan base, and they know that we all know the history between these two guys. So, I mean, they started Ring of Honor. They were future shock together. They there's a long history there, almost maybe ten year over ten years. I appreciate the fact that they are playing to that history that they just came they 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 just they were just feuding they were just in a bitter rivalry in the wwe and they knew they knew and appreciated that fans would know that as far as where it's heading i think ultimately that red dragon is going to align themselves with adam cole and then once kenny omega returns he's going to be returning as a baby face to pair with the young bucks and there's going to be a six-man dream match heading into 2022 i agree with you blaine i feel like the first chapter of 2022 is going to be where adam Cole is going to say with the super click or is he going to go back with red dragon that's enough to carry into the first half of the year because they have easily built this coming into this year with the fact that they're actually using the outside cannon that kyle and adam last time we saw them in a ring they were fighting each other so they're trying to ease back into not having the tension of the group and that as the little kit in the face is this a reminder that oh hey we were fighting each other so i didn't mean it yeah you right. did mean it so you still got this kind of conflict here and you got adam like being this boyfriend with two different girlfriends and he's trying to figure out which one he wants to stay with and they're both kind of like top level girlfriends so he's has this triangle going on so it's yeah. gonna be so interesting tv absolutely and and you know what to wwe's credit they kind of did something similar recently with uh, paul Heyman being torn between roman and brock uh it's kind of the, the same kind of concept here and if you remember when when Cole debuted, they actually referenced the history of him being kicked out of the Bullet Club years ago. So that I mean, you that that's the thing. You never know where this is going. You you know their history, and you know um, you you expect something to happen, but then they end up they might end up doing the complete opposite. Exactly, because a lot of us think we know the story, and they're going like, you think you know the story, but we're going to change all the questions on you. Right, like Roddy Piper style. So our sixth and final stunning question of the week. Okay, between Wrestle Kingdom Day 1 and New Year's Evil and the very first AEW on TBS, which wrestling show in the coming week are you most looking forward to? Uh, You know what? I think all companies have done a pretty decent job of building their own cards uh, for next week's event. It is probably, aside from Mania Week, the biggest week in the entire year for pro wrestling. And what a way to kick off the year. Wrestle Kingdom now has three nights. Uh, Shingo Takagi and Okada should be a great match. Uh, Takagi actually had some really killer matches in the G1 this year against uh, people like Sabre and um, and Ishii. Uh, so I was impressed by that. I, w- I just wonder if um, it was actually Kota Ibushi who was intended to be in this spot. But the injury, of course, threw that whole plan out the window. Exactly. I'm looking forward to the main title picture of New Japan Pro Wrestling playing out over the first two nights. Because you have Okada. Is he coming back to be the redeemer for New Japan Mm -hmm. Pro Wrestling? Because they're in a tight situation with COVID. They can't have that many foreigners into the country to fill out this card. Uh, Will Ospreay is already there. 
and I'm wondering how long Will Ospreay's going to stay in Japan. That leads us to night two, where he faces the winner of Sakati versus Okada. And if you listen to Radio Free for Fresh Wrestling, our Winston 2022 award show, Will Ospreay mm. was my male wrestler of the year. So I'm hoping beyond hope that he can defeat Okada night two, because that would be the match I want to see. I have a pretty uh, bold prediction as well uh, regarding that. I think Okada is going to retain on both nights. He will retain over uh, uh, Shingo Takagi and then uh, beat Osprey. But then I think 2022 ultimately is going to be the year of Will Osprey, and I'm picking him to win the G1 this year. And then perhaps by this time next year, when he gets a rematch with Okada, it's going to be a different story, and Osprey will win the uh, the title next year or 2023 that is i can see that happening blaine because simply when things get tough with new japan pro wrestling they usually put the title onto a home country person and okada is usually their person they want to choose so right i can see that coming yeah because right because as you said who knows what the his the future holds for osprey especially in japan you don't know if he's staying there or not and i think a safe bet is on the homegrown talent for now Exactly. Now, a match I'm looking forward to from New Year's Evil is the Ciampa versus Breaker match for the NXT 2.0 World Heavyweight Championship. I do believe that's mm. going to be a interesting match, and I want to say Braun needs to either win this match or look super, super strong and not win the title and move on to right. the main card. I, I think, yeah, I think it is his time to win. I'm not sure what this means for Ciampa, though. With Breaker, I think he had a great performance in the last match these two had at Halloween Havoc. And then um, a pretty impressive performance in the War Games match as well, although he had a pretty hard time breaking that chain. That was uh, that was the one discrepancy. Aside from that, I thought, I think this guy has been really booked pretty well. Um, and this card actually is looking pretty good. You got Walter returning as well on that show uh, in the six man with Imperium. I'm not sure what the deal with Riddle is, uh, if this means that MSK or Imperium or both are going up to the main roster to maybe feud with RK Bro at some point. Who knows? But it looks like a great card. I'm most actually interested in the confrontation between AJ Styles and Grayson Waller, which, as far as I know, is not a match, it's just a confrontation. But I'm hoping like Grayson Waller has drastically improved. He's been one of the more pleasant surprises since the NXT reboot. He just needs very, he, he just me, needs way better ring attire, I think. But aside from that, his promos have been strong. I like his character. And I like the fact that he's targeting some of the veterans of the business, like Gargano, who might be on his way out. And now with AJ Styles. And hopefully uh, I'm thinking this, I'm, I mean, I made the bold prediction on the SNME radio group that this could lead to a match between the two of them at Mania. I'm enjoying this feud they're having right now, and I feel like AJ Styles is a perfect person for Waller to feud with. He'll be able to, to get good matches out of him as he's right. learning how to wrestle WWE style. And you're right, Waller has totally blown my mind how good he's become from when he first debuted. We weren't sure what his character was. And now we see him being this kind of like social media kind of like mm. influencer that kind of irritates everybody because he's just so perfect and he has all these like really cool moments where he's going like, look, I just beat one of your fan favorites that thing for the mm-hmm. lights. I don't care about wins. I want to hear before the lights and mentions. Right. So so Grayson Waller, I think, is kind of WWE's answer to Orange, somebody like Orange Cassidy. 
although he's a heel, he's basically like a Gen Z stereotype. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good point, Blaine. Well, we can't leave this question without talking about Brian Danielson versus Heyman Adam Page number two yes. on Wednesday night. If Tuesday is not wrestling overload, then this match on Wednesday is going to put everybody into a wrestling coma because I feel like this is going to be yet again another <laughs> five-star match. I feel like this might be just a bit too soon, but their next main pay-per-view is not to March, so why not put it on the very first show on TBS? Yeah, that's a good point. I figured it would be saved for a pay-per-view. Um, you're, you're right, it is kind of too soon, but I, I I don't like the whole thing with the including judges in this. I, I think it should have just been had the, like they should have just had the match with no time limits. And I it's an in, it's going to be interesting to see where this is on the card if they start if they decide to start with this match again or maybe end with this match this time. I think it should be probably as good a match or maybe even better than their previous match. And their previous match, let's face it, is going to be hard to top because that was uh, I picked that for my match of the year last year. It was a close toss-up between that and the Dragonoff and Walter match, and I had to go with the the most the freshest match in my mind, which was Danielson and um, and Hangman. I think uh, it's a great way to start the year and a great way uh, to introduce themselves to a new um, to a new uh, network. Exactly, Blaine. Now, if it was me, I would put this match on probably starting around eight. 50 and let it go the rest of the night on their first night on TBS. And I got a weird feeling that the judges are going to come involved in this just for the simple fact that if you let the judges get involved, you could turn this into a trilogy. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that is probably where it's going to be heading. Uh, I definitely think there's going to be some kind of uh, issue with the judges where, where Hangman will win, but then Danielson has like an issue with one of the judges' scorecards or something like that. Given the fact, I, I think introducing judges first of all is kind of telegraphing that it's going to go to a time limit again and that said i don't know if starting at the second hour is going to be a wise decision because it kind of telegraphs that yes it is going to be going the whole hour and then uh other people on the uh facebook group have brought up a great point as well in their first match is that typically in the second hour there are more commercial breaks than in the first so that might be the that might have been the decision that made them put it on at the first in the first uh, hour instead of the second the last time around. If it's set up the same way, Blaine, I can see you see your point here, and it is going to be like the match that opens up TBS's era of AEW wrestling. So I can see that. So is there anything else in this week? Wrestling overload, are you looking forward to besides the stuff we already talked about? Yeah, so New Year's Evil we talked about. We talked about New Japan, uh, day one. Uh, day one is going to be interesting. I think uh, it's had a pretty strong build for like a for a non-Saudi card. It's had a really strong build, I think. Uh, and hopefully this trend continues in 2022. I'm not crazy about another Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar match. And I really hope that this doesn't carry off, carry, carry over into mania which i've heard is the rumor i'm thinking we probably get a non-finish here and i'm thinking that the thing with uh paul Heyman was a uh might have been a swerve where Heyman will end up aligning with reigns again blaine i think you're right and this leads into my kind of like booker mentality here i feel like Heyman's gone across brought this match at day one and we're going to see brock in a royal rumble and yes yet again brock is going to run for that rumble 
and we're going to get this match again at WrestleMania. Mm, yeah, I, I really hope that it doesn't go that way. I'm, I'm praying for a Rock return next year for Roman versus The Rock. I think that's the only match that I'd want to see. I don't really, uh, I mean, it, I guess it depends on how the story unfolds, but I really don't have any interest in any Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar matches beyond this. I think they should take a break from each other for a while and just go into separate feuds I, I think gable stevenson is the guy to watch out for in 2022 and i think that is going to be brock's next big feud or maybe braun breaker will be end up being called up at some point uh and he can feud with one of these guys but i think one of those two guys should be the guy to take the title from roman exactly those are two excellent choices blaine and i'm with you i'm to the point where i am enjoying this new kind of comedy brought lesser babyface character but i'm tired of seeing him only wrestle running reigns i want to see him go wrestle somebody else yeah exactly i i think they're they need to establish some newer talents i think brock has had a, a history of working well with the smaller guys i think and um and it would be interesting to see if he's paired with with some of those guys moving forward i'm not sure how many of them they have left that he hasn't already worked with but i mean like a Gargano, I don't know if he's sticking around. Uh, I've heard that he might be on his way to AEW, but if he is, I think that would be a great matchup for Brock in the future. Well, if they were actually doing anything with Ricochet, I would love to see Ricochet versus Brock, but Ricochet has yeah. been so far buried in the mid-card, I don't know if anybody would believe that match now. And it's, it's funny that you said that too, because I think the start of Ricochet's burial was actually after the first match with Brock. Because up until that point, he was actually booked like a serious contender. And then they made him look like a joke in the Brock match. And since then, he's been basically a jobber on main event. True. The other person that popped my head was Finn Balor, but I feel like it's the same story with Finn Balor. Yeah, Finn is a tough one. I had high hopes for him, honestly, because they went, they took him back to NXT and then they completely repackaged him almost like they made a 180 turn with him in nxt he was actually getting serious again he was actually somebody that you could buy as a top contender and then they brought him back up to the main roster he did a decent job on smackdown i thought that they were going to do something with him and cena after the uh the contract signing that went awry but never nothing ever developed there and i think even if they did do the Cena match now, I think Balor, it's probably Cena's match to lose. I think Balor is probably going to be jobbing out, and that's not what I want to see. Exactly. I mean, there's so many good choices in WWE. The thing about WWE is they have a lot of excellent wrestlers, but their booking is like 50-50, and after a while, everybody becomes like same. There's no difference. You can insert person A, B, or C, and you get the same results. Right. You're yeah, you you said it, man. There, there's um that's the that's the issue that I've always had with WWE. Their in ring product will never be the issue. In fact, the in ring product of any company will never be the issue. It's always comes down to the booking. WWE is famous for 50-50 booking, as you said, repetitive booking or backwards booking. And by backwards booking, I mean like this situation with Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch, for instance. Becky Lynch is not getting the desired reaction that she's supposed to get as a heel. Liv Morgan is being positioned as an underdog, but is making these comments that are kind of heelish, but against Becky Lynch. And nobody is ever going to cheer for Liv Morgan over Becky Lynch. Now, I know Becky kind of suggested that she wanted to be heel when she came back, but we have seen this for about four months now. You think somebody in that company would have gone to her and went, you know, we tried this experiment, 
it's not working. We right. need to flip you baby face. I, I, and I think part of the reason it didn't work too is because it was such an immediate turn of events. Like it wasn't like she came in as a baby face. Like remember when years ago when Bret Hart returned and then the, and then the, he thought that the fans kind of turned on him or the same with uh, like Stone Cold Steve Austin when he came back and then the fans were favoring The Rock over Steve Austin. But it wasn't like that. It was just like she came in as a complete heel right off the bat there was no motivation for her to turn there was no um there was no tease of a turn it was just it, like it just happened and and i think that was a big mistake on both her and the company's behalf i'm not sure if bianca was the person to uh, to do the turn with because i don't think bianca was catching on as well as they had hoped uh, at least not at the time and you know in order to turn a top babyface heel you kind of have to have a second tier baby face in line to position them as number one. And they didn't really have that with Becky when she turned. Exactly. You would almost need Belly to be back and able to wrestle and her being the baby face coming into that match with Becky. In that match, you may be able to do the double turn or something. But right. besides that, I don't think there's another female in WWE that you could position in that situation and have the proper effect. I think, yeah. So having said that, the only person that I think they might have been able to accomplish that with is Bailey because she was really catching on when in the whole time that Becky was was absent Bailey was the one getting over she was the one getting all the attention she was basically positioned as the number one female in the company and uh, I think if they turned her face the fans would have turned her eventually and that would have been an ideal situation for Becky to return and have a heel Becky against a face Bailey. This has been an enjoyable professional wrestling chat with you, Blaine. Where can we find you on the podcast circuit? Yeah, so as uh, as Sean, as you said, right off the bat, my podcast is The Royal Ramble. So you can find uh, me. Uh, please join my Facebook group, The Royal Ramble. Uh, I'm also on Spotify under The Royal Ramble. Uh, and then um, I'm on YouTube as well under my real name, Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E. Uh, my last name, it's a long one, so brace yourselves. V v Vandergreen, it's V-A-N space D-E-R space G-R-I-E-N-D. That is my YouTube channel. Please feel free to subscribe to that. And then I'm also on Twitter, at Blaine DeBrain, B-L-A-I-N-E-D-A-B-R-A-I-N-84. So at Blaine the Brain the number eighty four on Twitter. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will drop a link in the show notes of this podcast so you can easily find Blaine's podcast. And after you listen to the show, go directly over to his show and listen. You're going to enjoy it. Trust me, it gets my seal of approval. So, Blaine, thank you once again for joining us here on Radio Free Professional Wrestling. I wish you nothing but the best in 2022. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for having me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, before I go, I just want to wish you a very stunning 2022. And to tell you that next week on Radio Free Professor Wrestling, I'm going to have an interview with Benny Berry as he's written a second book called Wrestleville. And we'll be answering the question, where is Wrestleville? Until then, stay stunning and have a happy new year. This is Sergeant Arms of Christina on behalf of the guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next time, the liberation continues.